There we go. Hey, it's good that you're here today. A lot of people are in the mountains visiting the snow and the lakes in Queenstown and Wanaka. I see Facebook is just plastered with people out in the mountains right now. So I knew that there's going to be a gap or two today because um, you guys are awesome getting out there and enjoying New Zealand in this time of year. This is great. You don't stay at home, you get out and have fun. Eh, Warren? true. Yeah. He hits the mountains every Monday. I am so jealous. Okay, so we are doing a four-week course called Stronger. And uh, this is going to be cool. We've got four different people doing it. Um, I'm speaking on relationships with others today. Uh, Mike Robb, which is Hannah's dad, is speaking on family. And I was talking to him before. These guys know everything there is about, about doing family and God. They said they've been married, what, 40 years on the 9th of August? And so they know everything. They are so sweet on it now, they don't even fight anymore. <laughs> and so really interested to hear what they've got to say next week because... Um, that's the type of people that we have in our church. So um, if you feel a bit intimidated, don't talk to them because <laughs> they know everything. And then Dre's going to talk about the relationship with self. And that's a really important subject is that we can only, we can only um, make relationship and do relationship if we can actually accept ourselves first. And then Warren's going to take on the relationship with the Trinity He's the most holy one of us, um, of the, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, you're nowhere near Warren's standard of holiness. The only other person that's anywhere near there is Michelle down the back there. Um, you know, she's got a bit of holiness there. She came in today. Hey, Michelle, you came. You're looking shocked. No, I'm not going to go where I was going to go because I was going to put my foot in it, I think. You would come and talk to me afterwards and say, you know how we used to get on? We don't get on anymore. So I'm going to stop right there. I have, learnt, I have learnt some wisdom. Rob, I've learnt some wisdom in my years. Or Mike, I should say. I've le- I've, Mike, Rob, why do you have two first names for a name? It's <laughs> Rob, Mike. What, you know, Mike, Rob. Anyway, we are built for relationship. Genesis uh, 2.18 puts it in, in, uh, in a great way straight away. It says, it's not good that man should be alone. And so all those people that are married, yes, it's nice to have someone to share life with. Um, and so I'm just going to show this wee clip here just to, to uh, start things off. And it's, um, it's called It's a Sad Story of a Lonely Man. But have a look at this wee clip here and then we'll launch into it. Do we need to disguise ourselves to get closer? Do we have to be someone else to get closer to people or can we just be ourselves? I think it, it's sort of heartwarming in one way. Um, I showed Caffet and she, she went completely different place than I thought. But it's heartwarming in one way, that, but it's, it's sad at the same time. But we, we, we're, we're made for relationship. We're made for connection. See, one of the most powerful experiences in life is being, being accepted for who we are. You know, it would, I, I can be me and I can be accepted for who I am. And, uh, you know, it's real sad when people are struggling with their identity, struggling with who they are, struggling in their, in their peer groups because they don't fit in. 
We, need, we all need people in our lives to, for, for well-being. And this is, uh, I've heard this term just recently. Steve Graham used it on a, on a, on a the national tour day just recently. And the word well-being is that well-being is how, how, how we function. That when we feel good about ourselves, we're happy with how things are going, it's that, that we have a measure of well-being. And when we're in good relationships with people, there's a, an aspect of well-being that goes with that. We are, there's something good about our lives. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12 says, and we've done this one a few times in the last few weeks, so maybe we should listen to this one. It says, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity any who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one might be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, Warren will speak into that bit about the God part of it in three, four weeks' time, I think it is. But I just like that. They can ha- we can help each other up. When we're in a relationship, when we're, when we're struggling or down, we can help each other up. We can, we can keep each other... Um, we, uh, good return for your labour. You know, we can get more done. You know, I mean, I go up to the hills sometimes and, and, and shoot things. And when you, pull, you bring it out, it's heavy. Sometimes, Bill, I shoot things, not very often. You're wondering now, aren't you? But, but if you take three people up there and you shoot a deer, it's easy to get it down because it's so much lighter. But if you're by yourself, it's impossible to bring it down because it's so heavy. It's good return for your labor. And then other ones, you can keep warm. And I guess that's a good uh, marriage one, isn't it? You can keep warm. That seems appropriate. But I know, I know that if you go to a hotel and there's two guys staying there and there's only one queen bed, there is no way on earth that two guys are going to sleep in that bed together. All right? But then if I go hunting, go up in the mountain, I'm in a tent that's this wide, and two of us will sleep in the same tent. What's the difference? I don't know. A sleeping bag is the difference. Last time I went up and tented with a guy, uh, he, I woke up in the morning, and I've got my nice ear bear, which is 75 mils thick, and I'm quite comfortable, and he was on his little wee foamy, which is really skinny. I woke up, he had his head and his knee on my ear bed. I said, get off my ear bed. Way too close. And two can defend themselves. You know, when, when you're a little worried or you know, concerned, you know, if you've got someone else with you, it's just so much easier. You know, if you're scared of the dark, it's always better when someone else is with you. If you're lost in the mountains or you, you don't know where you are in the dark, it's better if you've got other people with you. Somehow it has a calming effect because you don't have to try and figure it out by yourself. Or if you are lost, you've got someone else there with you and you can keep warm together. All right, I looked on, um, I googled the like, loneliness to see what was going on there. And, and there's two groups of people that struggle with loneliness particularly. And one, I guess, makes sense is the elderly, ones that are living by themselves, or even couples that don't get out and see a lot of people can have real, real problem with loneliness. And the other age group, which is sort of surprising, is the 15 to 24-year-olds. And they, they have an online presence, but they don't have face-to-face relationships. And so they, they, they equate to about 20% of the population are lonely in that age group. And now, I don't know, there's loneliness in between those two things. But if you look at 20% there, say um, the elderly are, say, 10%, and say people in between are 10%, four out of 10 people are lonely, or potentially lonely. I, I, it's not scientific in any way. <laughs> but four out of 10 people are lonely. What I see there is opportunity. Opportunity to connect with people that are lonely. And, uh, you know, that, that sort of excites me. It's like we're living in an age where people, are, they have an online presence, but they're not meeting people. So therefore, it seems okay, but when you get under the, the veneer or get under the, the, the suit, 
you've got a very lonely person. And, uh, you know, who, who around us is lonely? Who, who, who in, our, in our community or our neighbourhood or in our, you know, in, in the, in our area of influence do we, can we identify as lonely because there's an opportunity to bring them into family? I had a friend once that, you know, he's one of those friends that, you know, you have those friends that just come around and come and see you all the time? And they go and see everybody all the time. And this guy, his parents weren't Christian, so he didn't like being at home. So he would just come and visit all the time. And, and uh, he was just that sort of person. Um, we called him Wheels because his name was Wheeler and he, he was a fast driver. And he would come in and he would, he'd cruise in and he'd say hi. And then one day he had an epiphany. And that was like, I'm always going to see people, but how many people come and see me? And so he did a wee experiment. He sat at the back of the church at the end of a service and... Um, and to see who would come and talk to him at the end of the service. Nobody came to talk to him at the end of the service. So his experiment really went quite badly. And all of a sudden now what he thought was happening is now true. Nobody cares about him. But he, he was looking miserable and sitting down in the back. And everybody says, oh, he must be having a bad day. And nobody went and, and it, was a bit, yeah, it was very caring. And, but the poor guy learned a, bit, a valuable lesson. Do not stop putting your effort in. <laughs> because if you want to be lonely, you just, you just turn the tap off of effort and you will find out that you will be alone. And it's not fun. I've had people say to me, it says, oh man, I just don't get invited out and we don't do things socially and we just, you know, don't really, not fitting in. And so my question is, well, who are you inviting into you, your life? Who are you inviting to your place? Who are you inviting to the movies or to a rugby match or, or, or to some activity? Who are you inviting? Oh, nobody. Well, it's a two-way thing. You know, we've, we've got to actually step out of our, our own issues and step into relationship. They just go a wee bit quiet. Connection and relationship, relationships require a number of things. And so I guess, I mean, you measure what it's going to cost, don't you? So it's time, commitment, effort, and energy. And, and often, you know, we think, I haven't got time. Or, oh, I don't know how much effort I want to put in. And you know, you know what I'm saying when I'm saying these words. Energy is like, oh my gosh, how much time do I have to put into this? But that's what it takes. If we want to be connected and well-connected, it takes those things. It's going to cost me in some way. And here's a key. The key to making friendships. This repeats itself, but it might be because you're going to remember it. It says, doing what we like doing with those that like doing what we like doing. <laughs> All right, doing what we like doing with those that like doing what we like doing. And I've just said before, I've seen a whole bunch of you going up to the mountains and taking photos of lakes and mountains and snow. And, and it's like, man, there's a whole bunch of people sitting here today and they're not here today that are up doing that. They're in Wanaka and Queenstown, Tekapo, doing all those, you know, looking around and just enjoying our country. And it's like, there's something even in this church, if you haven't already figured it out, you know, there's a real appreciation for the outdoors and as a scenery in New Zealand in itself. So if, we, if we're into movies, you know, do movies with people that like going to movies. If you're into going, you know, out and, and doing um, sports, um, um, watching rugby and stuff, go with people that like doing that. And then that way there, you know, you're relationship building while you're doing something. Hey, Ross. I just, we, uh, Bill. Bill is what, 85? Oh, oh, sorry. Did I say that publicly? Bill is 65. I'm 55, Ross is 13, and we took Andrew, I don't know if Andrew's here today, we went to, um, to Geraldine and stayed in a backcountry hut, here's, here's three generations missing a couple, and just hanging out there this week, and it was just awesome, you know, doing things that we like doing together builds relationships, like Ross knows me, 
I know you now anyway. You know me better now? Oh, we're friends now, eh? When before that, he was just a polite kid that sat there with his mom looking really handsome. Now, I know that he's got a bit of a competitive streak. I know that he's a bit cheeky. I know what food he eats and, 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 and milk that he doesn't drink. I know things about him because I've spent time with him. And now, Bill, what do I know about... Oh, no, sorry, Bill, I'm not going to give any more secrets away because I'm already in trouble with you. So today we're going to look at four people groups that... Um, show what it's, and I've used people groups rather than just two people like you know Jonathan and David or Paul and Silas or I, I wanted to use people groups because I think it represents the church and how people get on and so I've gone to um, with Abraham when he was still Abraham he was living in the, he was living in his new new country after he left his father's country and Lot had gone to live in, in Sodom and Gomorrah and then the the armies and the kings around they came and fought with Sodom and Gomorrah and they took Lot away and all the treasure of the place away and uh, Abraham found out that you know Lot has been taken away and he said to God you know well, go and get him and you know God said go for it go and get him so he goes out there and it says who went to get him it says Abraham and his 318 servants that were born in his house servants people born 318 went up against kings and armies to get back Lot and the spoil and it's like, oh, that makes sense. But the thing I like about this here is that it might, it's not many people, 318 people is not many people to, um, to go after an army, but it said they were born in his house. The thing about that, they knew each other intimately. They weren't all his sons and kids. They were ones that were born under his covering. Under, you know, he was a blessed man. They were born under his blessing. And he took those people that he knew intimately and well and had good relationship with and went after the armies and got back Lot and all the, all the spoil that they'd taken. I thought, man, this speaks of one thing. If you choose to be a part of this church, this is your family. There is an intimate connection here that we are developing. The more we see each other, the more we hang out, the more we do things together, the more prayer meetings we go to, the more music teams we go to, the more connect groups we go to, the more social events like the midwinter dinner that you go to. Hint, 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 hint. See Nikki afterwards. The more, more family-orientated we get. Second thing, you're a valued member of this family. You're sitting here today, you're thinking, will I be a part of this church? Well, if you're not part of this church already, understand this, that if you do decide to be part of this church, you're a valued and special member of this family. And it's not about what you do, it's about who you are. You don't have to do anything to, to, get, to be valued and, and uh, cherished in this church because you're a special part of this family. And the third thing is a well-functional fa family is noticed. Hey, Mike. <laughs> He's talking about it next week. But a family, you know, people, people used to say that, um, people used to say they loved our family dynamic because they didn't have that family dynamic. We thought our family dynamic was normal. But as a Christian family in a broken world, we are not normal. We are a wee bit weird. <laughs> it's not normal. But people love, you know, a family um, that is, if you're a, a good family, a strong family, you are noticed. And other church families like that. If we, if we are a strong and well-connected family, we are noticed. And anybody, you know, talks about when you talk about church and you talk about your, you know, your, your church family, they go, "Hey, Mara, I think I want to meet your family. Talk about the family in the right way and see how many more people want to come along." The second 
group of people was David's 400 men. Uh, his mighty warriors. And I, I spoke on this a couple of weeks ago. But here's, here's another group of men. And I thought, these guys, you know the story, if you don't. It, they, they, David was being chased by King Saul, went to the wilderness, through, through them into the mountains and lived in a cave. And 400 people, he can't have been hiding very well because 400 people found him. And they came to him. And it says they were the men that were distressed and debt and disconnected. They weren't the bunch of people that you were actually going to go, oh, whoopee, look who's come to hang out with me. These people are the ones that you think, oh, no. But they became David's mighty men. See, we grow where we're planted. We had a family that did the rounds of churches every two years. They'd come to your church. What they did on a Sunday morning, I don't agree with this theology, and don't do it. You go, if you do do it, sorry, I just defended you. Okay, where, where's God want us to be today? Where's, where's the Holy Spirit want us to be today? And you go to the church that you feel God wants you today. If you don't plant, you don't grow. I mean, how many of you guys, girls, 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 you know, you, need, you think, oh, the lounge needs shifting. So one day, hubby goes to work, and then you go mad. And the couch is in different places, and the wall units are changed, and the pot plants are different, and, and the hubby comes home and goes, what have you done? So I just felt like a change. Well, imagine if he did that in the garden. So I, oh, I want that tree over there, and those two bushes, if they went over there, and every now and then you had a spring clean, you dug out your trees and you transplanted them somewhere else, your trees won't last too many transplantings. Or if they do, they have to get rerouted to get growing again. So, so you know, planting in a church is really, really important. Church hopping and going around to where the spirit is moving. So we'd see this family every couple of years. And they'd come in and they'd be very spiritual to speak to and, and good, but then they'd be gone for another two years. And then they'd come back, oh, we really felt God wanted us here today. It's like, that's hopeless. <laughs> really hopeless. David's men came distressed, debt, and disconnected, and they became mighty. The reason they became mighty, because they followed a great leader. They connected with, a, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, they aligned with someone who had, had, the, had the authority and anointing of God on their lives, and they became like him. And I guess what I'm saying with that one there is like, you know, hopefully as a church, you know, hopefully as a church we are a safe church. We're a safe place. I, I, I pray that we, we um, actually encourage you to step further into the things of God and, and doing it in a way that, that you have confidence that it's going to be okay. I trust you guys. You, you, I trust the leadership. I mean, like the team that I work with, I trust. I, I think they're amazing. And, and it's like... You know, to, to have that buy-in, it's like, actually, I'm happy to be here and I trust where we're going. You will become mighty in God. Are you still with me? The third one is Gideon's 300 men. See, this is still like the size of our church. Oh, it's good. Okay, they were picked from 32,000 people. 300 from 32,000. Remember, 22,000 went home because they were a little bit worried about and fearful about going into battle. And then there was 10,000 left and God said, there's still too many. And so, you know, Gideon would have been packing himself, 10,000 is not enough. And then they went down to the, to the, to the river, and then they, they chose, God chose 300 men, you know, based on what? The way they drank. And these guys, they were scooping the water, and, and they were drinking it and looking. They were aware. So my third point here is awareness, is knowing and having an awareness of what's around us. And one thing is a practical awareness, where we see what needs doing. Okay, curtains need going up, the lights need on, we need the sound turned up. Oh, we need to go and give um, old Joe down there uh, a, a load of uh, firewood. Or, or, or that person's not, uh, or that, yeah, that person needs help. You know, 
anything that's practical you know, is, is awareness. Um, you know, I'm a farmer. I'm aware. I, from, my, from my house, I can see if the irrigator is in the right place at the right time of day. I can hear it clunking. If it's not clunking, it's like something's missing, something's not happening, and something's broken. I can look down the paddock and see if my cattle are in the right paddock or behind their brake. If I see them down the end of the paddock, it's like, darn, they've got out. You know, I'm aware of, where's my dog? Is my dog here? You know, Nixon comes around the corner. Oh, there you go. I'm, I'm, I don't look for him, but I know that he should be with me somewhere if I can find him. I'm just aware on the farm. I can tell if the, if the troughs aren't filling, that, hey, there's something wrong with the water on the farm. If cattle are getting out, I know that the power's shorting out. You know, to have an awareness practically of what's going on around us is really a real, real asset. And not, a lot of people miss it. But there's other things that are, uh, even go a bit deeper. Emotional awareness. When you're looking at people and, and you're seeing that, hey, you know, Nikki's not looking that happy today. No, she's always looking happy. I don't think I've ever seen Nikki unhappy. Who's another person that looks a bit sad occasionally? <laughs> um, being um, aware of people, where people are at. Because we're all feeling things. We come along, sometimes we have bad weeks, and you can just see it on people's faces. Or you can see people having a good time, you see it on their faces. And that's just being, being um, aware of the people that we're around. Hey, you're a bit, bit, bit down. I had a guy come in recently, and he's angry. And I could tell he's agitated. And I say, what's up, man? And he says, oh, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And he just had to vent to get it off his chest. And then he sort of started to calm down because, you know, you could see it on him that he was, you know, emotionally he was mixed up. And the, the next one is the spiritual awareness. And we go to another level now. And it's like what we see in God. What is the Holy Spirit speaking about? What the Holy Spirit showing us? What are we, what are we sensing, feeling? What are, what, what are we seeing? What are we um, understanding? What's the atmosphere like? You know, and it's, it's like this is going to the spiritual gifts now where we start to discern what's on people, or we're seeing needs, we're seeing um, you know, prophetic words, or we're, we're seeing healing needs, or we're seeing you know, things that, that, that God sees and is showing us that we can see. And I, and I honestly believe that we are living in a day now, particularly in this season, of the pastoral gifting actually coming out of people in, in a way that actually begins to minister to the people around them. And it's like you don't need a title. You don't need a, a badge or, or a name on a door saying, Pastor, you can be pastoral today and now, and this is a day for that to happen, is that we can actually start um, caring for those people around. And I know that a lot of you do that already, that you are very aware of people around your lives that just need a little bit of, a, bit of, a, you know, a bit of support, a bit of friendship, a bit of encouragement. That makes us stronger. And the fourth one is in Acts 2, and that's the apostles when they met. The 120 were in the room at the, uh, in the time of Pentecost. And uh, it says there that the power of God came on the people who were in one accord. And that's it's like, okay, what's one accord mean? It means doing it together, being in agreement and unanimous without exception. And it's like they were in one accord. You know, remember that they, they, when Jesus got arrested, they all just split and it was a mess. It's like, how is this going to work? Jesus was crucified, and then they, they went and they gathered again in secret in this upper room, and they were just waiting like they were told to do. They were with one accord. They, they were just together just, and just thinking, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how this is going to unfold. But Jesus said, just wait, Terry, wait, wait, wait until I come. And he come. And the community notices that something's happening. The Holy Spirit comes, boom, 
And there's just a freedom there. There's all these people speaking in different tongues and dialects. And people are like, hey, I can, that's my language. And, and so what, they're mad people. They're, they're drunk. But they weren't drunk. The Holy Spirit had come upon them. They got noticed. So the community noticed what was happening. And, when, and the third thing is when those guys came out of the room, they came out of the room, they came out of the presence of God, but they came out stronger. They came out stronger. Instead of being ones that were running and, and, and denying Jesus and saying, I don't know him, they came out and preaching. Peter comes out, preaches his word, first sermon. First sermon. My gosh, 3,000 people came to know Jesus. Anybody can do better than that in this room. Oh my gosh. 3,000 came to know Jesus. And then it says that, um, that more were added to the church daily. There's power in relationships. When we come together, there's power. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it, uh, it's energizing. Can I have the musicians up, please? John 13, 35 says this. I wanted to keep the graphic on that today because I quite like this graphic. Um, I want you to go home with that. I didn't want to clutter it with too many scriptures and things today. I just want, you know, building stronger relationships. It's all about relationships today. John 13, 35 says this. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And, you know, we say that quite quickly and it runs off the tongue pretty good. But then what I like is that all men shall know that you are my disciples because of your love for one Who's the all men? Just us in the room here, the people that know us. All means all. All men shall know. You know, I just, I just believe something. I, I just, you know what I see? You know, we talk about evangelism and reaching people with God. People need to know God. People need God in their lives. And this is, this is a time where it's like, man, this is serious, man. This is serious. We've just gone through, well, the world's still going through this major COVID thing where, where people are just wondering what the heck, you know, what's going to happen next? And oh, it's got one world government and, you know, end times and, you know, it's going to get bad. And it's like people need to know that God is alive and God wants to connect with us. And this is what I see, you know, I, you know to, to reach people. If, if we believe um, we can reach our, um, sorry, if we were to fill our car park and fill the streets with our cars on a Sunday morning, if, 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 if we were to say, I'm going to commit every Sunday I possibly can, I'm going to come to be with, with, in relationship with my family of God. What happens is a crowd draws a crowd. You know, if our car park is completely full and streets are full and people driving through going, my goodness, what is happening here? Church is happening here. Church is happening here. And, and you know, when, when people come into like a venue like this and they come to the third service, it's packed out. It's like, man, what's happening? I'm coming in to check this out. You know, I believe, like, like when the disciples um, got filled with the Holy Spirit, the, the, the people around realized something was going on. And they responded to the gospel. And I believe if people can see in our community that something is going on, they will turn up in church because they see that there's something going on. A crowd draws a crowd. Where are all these people going? What are they doing? What's happening here? What's happening down there to Rise Church? What's happening at Hope Church? You know, what's happening down at Salvation Army? You know, what's happening at the Baptist Church? All these people are coming in. It's like, man, all these people are going there and they're going there. Oh, they're going to church. Man, what's about church? Hey, imagine. Imagine what it would be like to see people's curiosity to that point where they've got to come to check it out and they meet with Jesus. That's just my dream. <laughs> Churches will be the big event that people notice. And so, just to summarize there, we are stronger 
because we are family. We are valued and accepted. All right, remember that. You are valued and accepted. We are stronger because we are loyal and committed. You're planting here. You're planting wherever you're planting. Plant so that you grow where you are. See, when you're planted and you're growing where you are in season, you will bear fruit. We will bear fruit. We are stronger because we are aware. Practical, emotional, and spiritual awareness. We're living in time where a lot of people are hurting around us. A lot of people that need to know what we know. They need to know the Jesus that we know. We know they need to know why we have a hope. And we're stronger because we are in one accord. We are together and in agreement. That doesn't mean that you've got to say yes to everything. It means that you can have... Um, you can have, you know, you can have different, different things, different, different views and thoughts, but still be in agreement. Because you, because the agreement is that I choose to stay aligned and together, rather than to disagree and disconnect. So we can we can disagree on some things. It's all right, but to have a heart of agreement. It doesn't matter what I, what I think is a personal preference. I don't care. I'm in agreement with what we're doing, where we're going, and how God's working amongst us. All right. Right, and I'm just going to give you four things to make it a little bit easier. Think, oh my gosh, Lyndon, I don't know what you're talking about. This is so simple that you remember it. What are we to do? Love God. Warren's going to talk about that in three weeks' time. Love God. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. That is number one. All right, it's simple. Everybody got that? Put in your notes. Okay, I need to love God. Second thing is love one another. That was the second commandment. Love one another. Love thy neighbour as thyself. Love one another. And I, 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 I've told you, I told you about my neighbour. I had this neighbour. I've got this neighbour, who was the most difficult person I've ever, ever done life with. Now we're the best friends. Well, not best friends. Not quite at that level. We have excellent neighbours. You know, we drove past this morning. Big smile. Hey, buddy, you know, so I should say, jump in, we're going to go to church. But it's like, you know, just by, I, I didn't understand this guy at all. But I've just wanted to work on the relationship. And my gosh, he's a totally different person. Love one another. When people come in and see, see a group of people like this, they are sort of going, nah, 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 nah. do you really care about each other? Are you really, truly, you really like each other? Yeah, we do. We do. And so, yeah. Show the love when people come in. You show the love that you have not only for them, but for themselves, ourselves. Third thing is we turn up. Oh, we turn up regularly. See, if we don't turn up, how do you think you're going to have a relationship? What kills me is sometimes, I don't know anybody in the church. When do you come? I come twice a year, Christmas and Easter. Well, it's hopeless. You're not going to build relationships unless you turn up. We need to turn up. And, you know, I appreciate people that, that actually make an effort. Now, that doesn't mean every Sunday because it's days that you're away. But, when, but you turn up. Instead of going in the morning, oh, I might stay at home today. I've got a few things on. I'm going to go out for a picnic this afternoon. It's like you turn up and you build those relationships. And the fourth thing is get involved. Right? See, your value is not based on what you do it's on who you are so I'm not saying that you have to get involved to be special I'm saying get involved because it helps you with your well-being it, it, it connects you with people it connects you with, into relationships 
friendships, and then things start coming out from that. Oh, you like going to movies? Hey, let's do a movie. Hey, oh, I like going you know, hunting. Oh, yeah, man, I'm keen to go hunting. Or go for walks. And, or, you know, hey, I, I like reading books. Oh, let's go and read a book. I don't know how you did that, but anyway. When we put these things together, we get stronger. Watch this space. Things are going to change. Bless you guys. I think I've done a fairly short time today. That's pretty good, eh? I thought I'm going to go short today on purpose. Because I know Mike's going to go really long next week. Talk to you later. Okay, bless you guys. Can we all stand, please?